0: everyone welcome to episode 77 of the practicology podcast this episode is very cleverly entitled bah bah and uh matthew there's no doubt where you're going with this one uh this is the final part of your church series and you are going to no doubt be talking to us about the church as a flock of sheep
1: Correct. This is the final one in the series. We started back in April, I believe. And this picture of God's people as sheep under the Lord's shepherd care, of course, that's very common, very precious imagery in the scriptures. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. That's the simple but lovely rendering of Psalm 23 in the Christian Standard Bible translation. But then scripture also commonly uses the imagery of a shepherd for the earthly leaders of his people. David, who penned Psalm 23, is himself a shepherd king. And when the Lord Jesus was here, he had compassion on the people because they were like sheep without a shepherd. In other words, what that means is they had no one to lead them.
0: Right, and this concept is carried into the local church in the New Testament. The church is like a flock of sheep, and the elders who lead the church are called shepherds. I know Paul uses that terminology in Acts 20 in his counsel to the Ephesian elders or overseers. He says, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God. And, and then he proceeds to warn them about the wolves that will try to attack the flock. Yeah, that's such a helpful passage. And First Peter
1: 5, also Peter exhorts the elders, shepherd God's flock or pastor God's flock. And he tells them Christ is the chief shepherd, so they are like his under shepherds. We are still like sheep, and we still need shepherds. Before we get to talking about the shepherds, I want us to think for a couple minutes about the sheep of the flock. Sheep need shepherding. Sheep need shepherding. God has placed men as overseers in the church to lead, to feed, and to protect the flock because it is the tendency of sheep to stray. That's just, that's the way we are. And because Christian life can be hard and because there are wolves and lions out there, and because it is advantageous for us to hear the perspectives of spiritual men with spiritual experience. So churches have overseers or elders or pastors, same word, because sheep need to be shepherded.
0: Right, so shepherds have responsibilities, and I'm guessing you'll say something about that at some point here, Matthew, but but even as sheep, we have responsibilities as sheep, right? You and I are our sheep, and And three of our main responsibilities that we have as sheep towards our shepherds in the church are as follows. So number one, Hebrews 13 verse 17 tells us to submit to them. That text says they are keeping watch over our souls. And so we should let them do this with joy and not with groaning. It is of no benefit to me to have shepherds who are groaning, leaders who are groaning over me. I'm I'm just making their life more difficult and contributing to them being weary in their work and likely less effective at shepherding. So while we recognize that some people are in very difficult situations and and they need even more grace to, to hold on to this command, we all need grace to submit to our shepherds. Second responsibility for the sheep, be open to your leader's shepherd
1: care. We say we want the elders to be true shepherds. Well, do we allow them into our hearts and lives? Or or is my life like a castle with a drawbridge drawn up and no one's allowed to enter? Mike, I actually did an email survey. And this was pre-COVID of quite a number of elders around the continent. I got 33 responses across seven provinces and seven states. So It was a good variety of areas. Five or six of the 33 respondents were... We're in their 40s. The rest were in their 50s or 60s or 70s. They're all overseers in local churches. Let me give you just one email response from one elder as we think about sheep being open to the shepherd care of their elders. Here's his one piece of advice. This, this is actually the one response to the 33 that made me laugh. He said, try to keep the communication lines open with each member of the flock and make sure you know each one's spiritual well-being. Some are easy to communicate with, while others make you feel that it's none of your business how they're doing. And as hard as it is, talk to these believers too, at least try to. So
0: let's learn to be open to their shepherding. That's good, Matthew. I'd be curious to hear more of those survey responses. Uh, But let me summarize those, those three responsibilities of sheep towards their shepherds. Number one, submit to the shepherds. Number two, you said, be open to their shepherd care. And now number three, Remember, the shepherds are also sheep themselves. They are not faster than a speeding bullet. They can't leap over tall buildings in a single bound. They face the same challenges in life that you face. They, too, have difficulties at work and imperfect marriages and concerns with children and health problems and so on. And they have one of the biggest jobs in the world, taking care of God's flock. And so I think it helps us to uh, have some compassion for them if we remember this about them and recognize that men like this are in the firing line. We need to pray for them.
1: And in saying that, we're not saying you shouldn't take your concerns to them. They certainly want you to. But hey, maybe you could learn some of your shepherd's burdens as well. The sheep can also make some effort at getting to know their shepherds. In fact, another elder's email replied to my survey. My question was, overseers are quite often the most overlooked believers in the assembly because we assume they have it all together. But as you've said, elders have struggles too. And hey, this is a practical reason why in God's wisdom, the New Testament model for the local church is to have multiple elders sharing the work of pastoring the flock. So actually, we're going to quickly give you seven reasons why we need a plurality of shepherds or pastors or elders or overseers, why we need that plurality of brothers to lead the flock. Number one, as I've just implied, the work is too big for one person. It needs to be shared.
0: Mm-hmm. And number two, since one of the main responsibilities of elders is to teach the Word, you will get a greater variety of ministry and teaching if you have a variety of elders.
1: Hey, that's one of the advantages of having two of us leading this podcast. We have a bit of a variety of teaching styles, and sometimes we bring other people onto the podcast as well because we know the variety of approaches is a blessing to the variety of God's people. And number spice thre- of life. Amen. And you're quite spicy sometimes. <laughs> number three with the plurality of overseers we get more informed decision-making ability and an abundance of counselors there is safety
0: number four the various personalities and experiences of different shepherds mesh with the various personalities and life circumstances of different sheep and that's part of god's wisdom and number five when problems in the church do arise which they will
1: Having multiple shepherds can help diffuse the me versus him mentality. When there's a properly functioning plurality, it won't be a case of me versus him. I've got multiple elders that are going to help sort through this issue with me.
0: Right. And number six, it guards the church from one man running the church his own way.
1: And that's so important. Thank you. And number seven, The plurality of leadership helps to balance pastoral weakness. No one elder is perfect and they can balance and make up for one another's weaknesses. We need each other. So there's seven practical reasons that reflect the wisdom of God. It's his clear model in the scriptures for the local church to have multiple elders, all functioning as shepherds, all serving the flock.
0: Well, thank you for giving us a plurality of reasons for why we should have a plurality of elders. And, 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 there's an important qualification here, isn't there, Matthew, that um, overseership in the local church is a male responsibility. Our sisters play an absolutely invaluable role in the local church, and older sisters are to teach younger sisters, Titus 2, and there are aspects of care that our sisters display that sometimes we as men don't do as well. But all that being said, it's really clear in Scripture, uh, 1 Timothy 3, for example, that, that the work of overseership is, as I said, A male responsibility. Thank you. Very good. Let's let's turn our focus now
1: towards overseers or more of a, a burden on my heart today, brothers and sisters, is to address young men who may one day be elders in a local church. So what follows in this podcast episode is particularly for you, but it's also relevant to those who will support overseers in their true work. And for all of us, I think it should help us recognize who the Holy Spirit is raising up as shepherds for his flock. I'd like you to think, first of all, about the need for a willingness to shepherd, a willingness to shepherd. 1 Peter 5, verses 2 and 3, shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not out of greed for money, but eagerly, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. So that that concept of an eagerness or of a ready mind, I mean, it's well, it's clearly not wrong to want to shepherd God's people and someone who does have to be pulled into it. I wonder if there might be a greater risk of that individual suffering burnout in the work as well, because this wasn't really something they wanted to do. Aspiring to the work of overseership, in the words of First Timothy 3.1, that's a good desire. And it may be that in itself may be an indication of God's work in that individual's heart, raising them up for this ministry. Now, obviously, assessing their motivation and wanting that work is important. I mean, is this individual just on a power trip? That's dangerous. Like I said, they're just what we quoted from 1 Peter 5. They are not to be domineering, not lording it over those entrusted to them. Becoming an elder is not about ascending to the top of the church's organizational chart. The top of the organizational chart for the local church sits at the right hand of God in heaven. All right, that's, that's, who's at, that's who's at the top of the organization chart. It's the Lord Jesus in glory. He's the head of the church, a chief shepherd with under shepherds. So becoming an elder does not mean the church becomes yours. It means you're taking care of the Lord's flock for him.
0: Well, Matthew, that passage in First Peter 5 mentions a, another wrong motive for wanting to be a shepherd. Uh, verse 2 says that they shouldn't be doing it out of a greed for money. And I highlight that because someone might read that verse and think, well, of course not. I mean, we don't pay our elders anyway. So, so why is the warning there then? It is an interesting warning. And when I combine that warning with the
1: words of 1 Timothy 5.17, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching, I get the impression there are certainly conditions where elders are sacrificing financially to serve the flock, and there should be a measure of financial support from the flock. Hey, for all of our listeners, let me just encourage you to think about this for a moment. The needs among God's people are great, and there needs to be some fresh thinking as to how local churches are going to meet those needs. And when I say fresh thinking, I don't mean non-biblical thinking. We're taking this right from the Bible, right? So here's Here's a concept that many of you might think this, this isn't really practiced. Is this, is this your crazy idea? No, this is coming from the scriptures, but I will repeat the warning you highlighted in first Peter five. If in your desire to take on this work or the Lord's work in general, if there's a speck of motivation in you to do this as an easier way to get some income, then that work is not for you. That disqualifies you right away. According to one Peter five.
0: Well, that's helpful. Thanks, Matthew. Um, so, so obviously the proper motivation should be love for the Lord and love for his flock.
1: Yeah, for example, here's, here's another elder's email to me. One sentence to answer the question, uh, what do potential future elders need to hear? Here was his reply. Cultivate in one's soul a love and appreciation for the Lord and for what is precious to him. The assembly in Ephesus cost Paul many tears but it costs the Lord Jesus his own blood, end quote. It is a noble work, beloved. Christ shed his blood for the church. In verse 4 in 1 Peter 5, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So firstly, the willingness to be a shepherd. It's a good work. Secondly, let's think about the qualifications for shepherds. The shepherd is to be exemplary in his character. 1 Peter 5:3 being examples to the flock. By exemplary, I don't mean perfect, but he is to be a good example of Christian character. So the qualifications listed in Titus, for example, begins with he is to be blameless or above reproach. That word gets repeated in the next verse. An overseer must be above reproach. The same word headlines the list of qualifications in 1 Timothy. An overseer must be above reproach. So that word that I think it's the King James that uses the word blameless, it does not mean sinlessly perfect, but it's saying that there's no glaring area in this person's life that the church or the public would point to and say, ah, oh, there's, a, there's a, a character failure. The world may not like what these men believe, but the way these men behave is beyond reproach. No, they're not perfect, but they are good examples of Christian character. Better to have a holy man with poor leadership skills than a charismatic personality with obvious glaring moral shortcomings. Let me share with you another email from a long-serving overseer. For potential future elders, I would say, live life now in such a way that if those watching were to follow, they would add solid godly character to the assembly. I say that because we have some great leaders, he said. In some ways, they are great leaders coming up in our assembly that we'd love to bring in, but the example of the life they live is lacking. In other words, actions speak louder than words, end quote. Character isn't something that we can just turn on kind of when uh, the brothers lay hands on us at age 30 or 40 or 50. We need to take it seriously as early in life as
0: possible. And related to their exemplary character, Uh, It's clear in Timothy and Titus that, that the passages are emphasizing the shepherd's home life as well. And so scripture is saying, you know, how the overseer orders his household is going to indicate how he will serve God's household. And scripture isn't saying his children need to be angels, nor is it canceling men whose adult children make choices that contradict the word. But the point is, the home life of the elder is important. He, he can't say his home life and his church life are two separate things. Scripture is saying they're very closely related. Thank you. So there is his character and his home life.
1: Then also, the shepherd is a man of the scriptures. Part of how the shepherd cares for the sheep is by making sure they have good food. Most of the qualifications in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 deal with the overseer's character. That's, that's the emphasis. But they do also say he's able to teach. And he holds to the faithful message as taught so that he will be able both to encourage with sound teaching and to refute those who contradict it.
0: Yeah, and that last line about the refuting those who contradict it uh, shows us that knowing healthy doctrine doesn't only equip the shepherd to feed the flock. It also enables him to recognize unhealthy doctrine and protect the flock from bad teaching. And let me just send out a little encouragement to young brothers tuning in today. There is no time like the present to start digging deeper into the scriptures. It, it takes a lot of time to learn God's word, and we're all still learning, but give your mind to the scriptures starting today. Amen. And it likely
1: won't surprise our listeners to hear that one of the most common responses I receive from elders related to this area. I'm going to read a few replies here, actually, that emphasize this recurring theme. Remember, these are words from elders who are currently shepherding local churches. Advice number one. Know why you believe what you believe from the word. The reason I rank this as the one they most need to hear is because it is so easy to hold convictions based on what someone else may have strongly persuaded them about, and yet not clearly understand their relevance with respect to the word of God. End quote. Number two, future elders need to be thinking about the right balance between the right balance between change and stability, not compromising on doctrine but adapting in a world that is constantly changing change that is either unnecessary or too rapid is disorienting for many at the same time, a rigid adherence to this is the way we've always done it will lead to frustration for many. And that won't end well either. End quote. Another brother learn to separate the truth from the application of truth. The truth never changes, but how it applies never stops changing. We have seen people teach the application as if it was truth, and the flock is confused. We've seen people throw out the truth completely because they don't like the application. The truth never changes, but oh, for the godly wisdom to know how best to apply it. End quote. One more. Another brother. The one thing I would encourage potential elders is not flashy, not maybe hip, but it wears well. Read and study your Bible. If we are going to shepherd the answers are in the book. It's not easy being an elder, but if you know your Bible, the issues that arise are solvable. I need to immerse myself in the word. I just don't know it well enough, End quote. And I expect you get the point from that small sample. The scriptures are the authority for the church and Christian living. So shepherds need to be men who can interpret and apply the scriptures properly. And we all feel our weakness in this. And, uh, Hey, I know you also know it's not just what he holds, but how he holds it, how he communicates it. So we've thought of his willingness, his character. Mike commented on his home life. We've spoken about his knowledge of the word. But here's another key as as we think about how he's going to communicate the truth, how he's going to work with people. He must have a shepherd care for people. When the Lord condemns Israel's false shepherds in Ezekiel 34, such an instructive chapter, he condemns them for their self-centeredness. Whereas the example of the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus, was laying down his life for the sheep. Listen to this one overseer's advice, referencing Acts 20. I believe the best sentence of advice is the final one that the Apostle Paul left with the elder Ephesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. A true overseer, if he's going to be effective, must be committed to a life of giving. Giving his time giving his finances, giving his mental energies, giving his all, and he must do it for others at times with no thanks so that Christ may be glorified in his body, whether by life or by death. That was an intense one. I think that brother who wrote that to me has probably gone through some tough stuff, but he recognizes this work is about caring for people. Let me merge that into my final point for today's podcast. Don't get tripped up by the confusion about the shepherd's work. I'd say we could summarize the essence of the shepherd's work with the flock under these three main categories. He leads, he feeds, and he tends, T-E-N-D-S. He leads, he feeds, and he tends. He leads largely by example, he feeds by his teaching, and he tends with shepherd care and attention. It seems to me there is a global and long-standing phenomenon among overseers where their focus gets hijacked by organizational affairs instead of caring for people. And I'm not mocking or just trying to be critical when I say that because I know how easy that can happen. And, but where there's issues related to the building or administrative affairs and they start to take up way too much of the shepherd's time. Now, it's not, it's not unlawful for an elder to do those things, by the way, but it's not the vital feeding and tending work of the shepherd. To be fair, administrative responsibilities can be ways that shepherds are caring for the flock, I know that, but it's easy for those things to sidetrack us from the more explicitly spiritual aspects of the work.
0: And that's where some of us other ones can help, right? Uh, We can help the shepherds avoid that trap when the rest of the flock um, is willing to step up and, and help in some of those administrative responsibilities. Amen, absolutely. So there needs to be a willingness for others
1: to step up, and then there needs to be a willingness for the elders to delegate and share responsibilities. I mean, how often have we been reminded that the people are the church? So to care for the church is not to uphold a system, but to serve the people, the flock. And this is why the flock is such a great metaphor for the church. The local church isn't just an organization or a corporation. It's a group of living individual sheep who need to be shepherded the tendency can too often be to focus on just kind of keeping the machine running instead of focusing on keeping people afloat and helping them swim stronger i, I know i know all of that is is easier said than done but it's why it's, a, it's it's a good question to ask when assessing a potential shepherd does he smell like sheep is he building relationships with people
0: and my guess is that you got a few email responses about this issue too did
1: you Of all the responses I received from 33 elders across the continent, I think this was the issue most commonly highlighted. I'm going to read several of them here again. I just think they're very instructive. Um, So again, my question was asking them for one thing they would want to tell future potential elders. Listen to this reply. You have asked a question that is near and dear to the burden and exercise of my heart. By God's grace, I have been an assembly elder for about 35 years. And I see way too many elders who rule over their flock with iron hands, overstated opinions, and have a complete failure to love and know their sheep. End quote. Another brother. I would encourage anyone taking on the work of an overseer to set aside time for proactive shepherding rather than simply the administrative duties of assembly life and damage control. Another brother. You will find the greatest need is knowing the flock, and just as importantly, them knowing you. Be prepared to open your home, your calendar, and your heart. Another reply. I would recommend that elders get to know the flock on a personal basis. A number of major problems that come to the oversight are far past the point of no return, it seems, by the time it reaches the elders. Sadly, I think that's very true. Another reply. Knowing God and his word is foremost... Building and maintaining relationships is vital. People need to know that you care. Another reply. As overseers, we need to develop relationships with the sheep so we know them, their needs, and their natures. This will enable us to shepherd them more effectively. Another one. Relationships as a shepherd are key. Showing our flock a true, caring, loving heart, not just when difficulties and sin arise. Going out for coffee and building relationships requires your sacrifice and time, but it is worth it. Relationships are key to teaching, guiding, correcting, and encouraging. Finally, this concise reply. Be hospitable. Get to know the sheep over coffee, not just over problems. Hey, I know being a leader isn't all coffee and donuts, Uh He has to speak up at times, maybe with difficult messages. He has to take a stand on issues when he can't please everyone. A rebuke is needed sometimes. But I wonder I wonder if all those difficult things might come across a little bit better if I'm doing the work of building relationships as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, Matthew, for sharing your thoughts, as well as the thoughts of elders who have given themselves to this work. Again, it's one of the biggest and hardest jobs in the world, but such a valuable one, such a pleasing work in the sight of the Lord. And the last two years have been incredibly taxing on many leaders in local churches. So let's all remember to pray for them and to pray that the Lord will raise up others for this noble ministry. And maybe we can all help the shepherds as we've, as we've talked about. Um, the shepherds in our local churches by feeling some of the responsibility ourselves to care for one another so that we don't just leave it to them.
1: Good advice, and let me just say to overseers who are listening, thank you so much for your work, and may the Lord encourage you and bless you and help you further in what you are doing.
0: Right, and uh, so thanks, everyone, for joining us for Episode 77. Please remember, as we just wrap this up, please remember that uh, in August we have our summer challenge of memorizing Ephesians Chapter 1. And if you want more info on that, just cycle back to Episode 76, where we... Uh, give a few more details about the summer challenge well we're looking forward to being with you next week for episode 78 god bless everyone